This teaching is from City Church Coventry. You can find us online at www.citychurchcoventry.org. My soul waits for the Lord. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord, O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord, more than watchman for the morning, more than watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. I have calmed and quieted my soul. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul, like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, Hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Beautiful uh, scriptures, two psalms today uh, to help us continue our series on songs of hope. And uh, these two psalms seem to, to fit together really well to me. And obviously there was a reason that they were arranged in that order in the first place, both in the mind of the Holy Spirit but also in the in the minds of those compiling them. And I, I did a little bit digging around and, and, and several commentators kind of agreed with me that they kind of belong together as a, as a pair, uh, these psalms. They were, they're part of the Songs of Ascent, uh, which is unclear what that originally meant, but, but uh, it became to be uh, the psalms that were used as people would come up to Jerusalem for the festivals. And uh, and at one of the festivals, particularly, they would they would um, on the there are fifteen songs of ascent, and apparently there were fifteen steps, and the priests would stand on, on each step, they would recite a psalm, and then go up another step and up another step, and so they connect like that. And I think these two psalms really do seem to connect to one another, and they both bring us to a place of hope. They're designed. They're songs that lift you from a place of despair and bring you from a place of hope. And that's what we're going to do this morning with these scriptures, I trust. And that's what God wants to do. That's what he wants to do in our lives. He wants to lift us out of the depths and bring us to a place of certainty and peace and rest in him. First one begins this way, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. The depths here, it's kind of the, the word is kind of a watery kind of word. It's talking about, about the sea, uh, you know, the depths. When it just says the depths, it often just means in, in the sea. And it's, it's like the psalmist is drowning or perhaps he's, he's sinking. He feels like he's sinking in his circumstances. Whichever kind of way you look at it, he's saying this, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed. This is a psalm. This is a song. This is a song to sing when you're feeling overwhelmed. 
and it may be that these circumstances are, are even they may even be of his own creation because he goes on to talk about this plea from for mercy from God and acknowledging his guilt it may be that he's found himself in an overwhelming position because of of decisions he's made and choices he's made maybe even sin that he's committed but it's not exclusively that it's it's any kind of overwhelming situation any kind of thing where you think i am not equipped and qualified to get myself out of this situation and in fact by myself there's only one conclusion there's only one way this 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 uh, this circumstance is going but but and that's a but is a very hopeful word isn't it but but regardless of the cause that he does the right thing he cries out to god calling on the name of the lord leads to salvation the prophets say it many times the new testament writers quote it many times whoever calls on the name of the lord will be saved and uh, james 5 uh, tells us that whatever circumstance of life we find ourselves in i think it's right about verse 16 whatever circumstance of life we find ourselves in the right response is for something to come out of our mouths so here he is he says i'm, I'm being overwhelmed by my circumstance but i'm going to cry out to god uh, james tells us if you were in trouble is anyone in trouble he should pray there you go something coming out of your mouth is anyone cheerful is anyone happy he should sing is anyone sick he should call for the elders and as any, if anyone has sinned, he should conf- we should confess our sins to one another and the Lord will heal us. So whether, and I think he kind of covers all, all possibilities really, doesn't he, in those four things. Are you in trouble? Are you happy? Are you sick? Or are you, are you in sin? Um, pretty much every circumstance of life is covered by those four things. And the answer in all of them is to call out, is to cry out. And also what happens with all of those of course is that when you cry out from that place if you're in trouble and you pray and god rescues you you end up cheerful and so you sing and if you're cheerful so you sing you reinforce by declaring the truth of god's word if you're sick and you call for the elders and you're healed your your joy is restored if you're sick if you're if you're trapped in sin and you confess and you find forgiveness again you're taken back to this place of is anyone cheerful let him sing and uh you know that's that's one of the reasons that we're a singing people that's one of the reasons that we're talking about songs of hope letting it flow out of your mouth and and i know some of you probably because of the the situation in which you're you're watching the live stream you may be in a shared house and everyone else in the house may be asleep and you don't want to lift your voice and shout too much and i completely understand that but i want to encourage you find a place to lift your voice in song to god whether it's when you're out in a walk or whether it's in the shower or whatever it might be when you're alone in the house but find a find a time to lift your voice because there's something wonderfully hopeful just in the whole action of singing and here's one of the interesting things I, I know when I noticed when I read this verse is that the first thing if you're in the depths if you're being if you're in a circumstance that's overwhelming if you feel like you're sinking the first thing that escapes from that is your cry out of the depths I cry help you know that's one of the best prayers <laughs> help me Lord help me Lord out of the depths I cried and the cry got out of the depths and into the ears of God before the psalmist himself was redeemed or saved from his trouble. And your cry, that cry of your heart, that, that those words on your, they're powerful. It's a communication. It's part of you. It's an overflow. It's something creative coming out of you. We sing and make music in our heart to the Lord. And sometimes that music is, Lord, help me. 
It's a cry out. The first thing that escapes is your cry. But you know, if we don't cry out, if we don't cry out, then no, then 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 we're we're left in that place of, of of overwhelming and despair. And it's not that our cry does it, of course, because none of no salvation comes from our own strength. But what the cry does, it's, it engages with the mercy of God. Lord, have mercy on me. The mercy which God is already reaching out towards us with. When we cry to him, our cry and his mercy meet. And there's that connection made. Our cry, it's the mechanism by which that calling out to God is the mechanism and the means by which we connect with the mercy of God. And that salvation begins to come afresh into our experience you know as christians we can often have this idea that salvation is this fixed thing it's something that happened at this point in history when i prayed this prayer or it's something that happened when i made a confession about jesus's lordship and i was baptized that's true but salvation is something and the psalmist really really understand this and, and and teach us this salvation is something we need to experience every day god's grace and his mercy his saving power his redeeming uh strength is something we need to experience every day in every moment of our lives and the psalmist cry begins to bring him to a place of reconnection with God and he makes this wonderful declaration in verse three but with you there is forgiveness he said look if you counted our sins against us who could stand and our hope the hope that we have in this world rests on God's mercy and not on our attainments or our efforts we know that there is nothing of ourselves if it, if if we if we put everything that we had ever done before god we would not be able to stand we would not we would not have a place we would not have a rightful place before him and if he counted his sins against uh, our sins against us we would not be able to stand in his presence we would have to be far far away from him but here's the thing, because of the mercy of God, he does not count our transgressions. He does not count our sins. In fact, he takes them and he puts them on Jesus. And the punishment and the cost and the effect and the death that comes from that sin was placed upon Jesus upon the cross. And Jesus said, I'll take that. And the father will never again count your sin against you so now you can stand god wants you to stand he you know paul talks about doesn't he, he said we're pressed but not crushed we're persecuted not abandoned we're knocked down but we get up again uh it was the apostle paul that said that first by the way not chumba wamba um that we get knocked down but we get back up again because god has ordained and destined us to be those that stand and we've gone in this psalm, in, in a space of four verses, we've gone from being overwhelmed to standing. You know, not just the kind of bedraggled kind of on the beach, I just made it out of the waters. But no, I'm standing and I'm standing by God's forgiveness because he forgives. I stand by his forgiveness. His forgiveness is the means by which I stand. His forgiveness means that I have a right to stand and it also means I have the power to stand I have the strength to stand 
because that that would the sin that would seek to hold me back the circumstances of life that would seek to pull me down the power of God comes and overcomes that and we also stand in God's forgiveness it's a place you and I live in Christ we live in forgiveness it's part of the landscape of our lives that we live a forgiven life and the psalmist says this i like this the way he puts this with you there is forgiveness and so my question is who are you with whose side do you choose where do you go in the times of trouble where do you go when you need comfort where do you go is it to say i'm going to be with the lord one of the other songs of ascent says this i rejoiced with those that said to me let us go to the house of the lord you know one of the uh, this is a great verse by the way for worship leaders i think one of the uh, that 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 scripture i think it's either psalm 121 or 122 or 123 it's around there anyway somewhere but but i feel like the the task of the worship leader can be summarized in in that verse it's it's someone that says let's go to the house of the lord that's it's that kind of prov provocation that encouragement say i'm going are you coming with me where where are you going to be with who are you going to be with that's why it's really important that we continue and don't give up, like it says in Hebrews 10. Don't give up meeting together, but all the more so as the day approaches. You know, physically it's difficult to be together. And there are challenges to the way that we have to do things at the moment. But to say this, with I want to be with God's people in his presence because I am with the Lord. And with the Lord there is forgiveness. That's where we are. That's where I belong. That's where I choose to position myself. That's where my allegiance is found. And then he talks about fearing God. And in a way, we can take from this scripture that living in the fear of God is, is knowing and acknowledging that we can only stand because of God's forgiveness. And that it's because of God's forgiveness that we can stand. You know, this, this phrase comes many, many times in scripture, doesn't it, about fearing the Lord. And I think we get a little bit of an insight in that in this where he talks about sin and he talks about standing. And when we realize that we have no right, we have no power, we have no ability to stand, even to stand up, let alone to stand in the presence of God. But because of God's forgiveness, we have the right and the ability and the power and the authority and uh, the privilege and the uh, of being able to stand with God. And he says to fear God. That's the, the fear of the Lord is to acknowledge that, you know, I, this is none of this is by but because of me. It's all because of him. But because of the great work he's done, because with him and in him and by him, there is forgiveness. I will stand. New Testament writers pick this up a little bit. Uh, both Paul and Peter in, in Romans 5 verse 1 and 2 it says therefore since we've been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through him we've also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope and glory of God we stand in his grace by the work that Christ has done and Peter puts it this way. I've written to you this brief letter to encourage you and to testify that this is the true grace of God. Take your stand in it. We stand in the grace of God because of all that Christ has done. The grace of God that reaches out to us. The redemption, the, the mercy of God that comes and meets our cry and says, I bring you to stand with me. In verse five, then the psalmist goes on and he talks about my I wait on the Lord. My soul waits. 
And it's really interesting that he talks about waiting and then he talks about, he kind of emphasizes by saying my soul waits. Because it's possible to wait physically, it's possible to wait on the outside without our souls waiting, without our souls being in a place of rest. So there's, we can be inactive, waiting, but still anxious. We can be inactive, we can be frozen to the spot like a rabbit in the headlights, but still in a place of fear. But the psalmist is saying, look, it's not about an outward inactivity, it's about an inner peace. My soul is waiting on God. Most of us, most of us naturally want to get on with things. Um, we want to embrace the next thing to do. I was talking with, um, uh, here's another, another 50p preacher's tax coming, talking with Noah earlier this morning because he's got a busy day. He's got a lot of things he's got to get done today. He's going to do some uh, recording for our Easter project and then he's got some um, assessed work he's got to record for, uh, um, for college and um, he's got a busy day. And I was just saying, look, Praise God for a busy day. There's a lot of people right now that, that would give their right arms for a busy day. Uh, and, um, you know, that's that naturally we like to be, what's the next thing to do? I want to get on with it. And so for many of us, I would say the majority of us, this present season is, is really frustrating, isn't it? You can't get on with the next thing. You can't even really make plans because you, so many times plans have been frustrated and, and it just seems like things keep going and going and going and, and nothing really changes. But you know how you overcome that frustration? It's by having a soul that waits on God. And what does it mean for our soul to wait? Well, I think the next line tells us this. It says, and in his word, I hope. In his word, in God's word, not in not in the circumstances, not in the, the the unknown possibilities of what might happen next in this world in terms of vaccine rollouts, etc. And um, uh, you know what what the, the hope that that, that that may that that may bring. Uh, that's not that's not the, the the place. That's not the way to find rest for your soul and for a waiting soul, a soul that is peaceful is a soul that is hoping in God's word. It's trusting the promises. Hope comes from a confidence that God will do what he has promised and that the best guarantee for the future is what God has spoken to us in the past. And Habakkuk has this to say about the word of God. Though it delays, it will surely come to pass. It will not, uh, it will not tarry. And, and it's interesting because he kind of says, you know, it, you know, it's delaying, but it won't delay. <laughs> Just uses two different words that kind of almost directly contradict each other. But we understand something, don't we, about the word of God, that God's word comes to pass in the fullness of its time. God's word is never late. And that's not a way to make us passive and inactive because we want to lay hold of the word and pray it. That's why Ruth and I were praying this morning. We pray the truth of God's word, words that were written thousands of years ago. But we're saying, Lord, today is the day that we believe this word. It's going to be fulfilled. And when we look to the promises of God and we say, this is our confidence, it will surely come to pass. What has God said? It will surely come to pass. And this is how we wait. He says we, we wait. Our waiting on the word of God, our souls waiting on God, it's like the watchman in the night. 
You know, in the the picture here is the the walled city with the gates, and at night time when the city was particularly perhaps vulnerable to a secret attack, the watchmen would be out. And what they're all longing for is the dawn, because the dawn means that the night has passed. And the thing is, they were watching and they are waiting and they are longing. But every night watchman that has ever existed and has ever worked in any circumstances have one thing that they're 100% certain of. The dawn will come. The dawn will come. You know, God fulfilling his word and keeping his promises is as certain as the fact that the dawn is going to come. The sun will rise. And hope is like the dawn. That hope that we have is that certainty. And maybe we can't set our watches by it like we can the sunrise, but it's an even greater certainty. There's an even greater certainty that God will keep his word than there is that the sun will rise. Hope is like the dawn. And soul waiting means that my center is at peace because my hope is in his word. Get in the word of God. Look at the promises of God. Get in the Psalms. Look at how these people, they don't just tell you what the word is. They tell you their, their emotional experience, their response, how they deal with these things, how they, how they use the power of song to engage with the word of God and to bring the reality of that hope into their lives. And then he goes on and he says, oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. So he's gone from a place of being overwhelmed by life to realizing that he stands by the grace of God, to putting his hope in God. And now he wants others to experience the same thing. He becomes an evangelist for hope. For hope. His confidence is in God's hesed, God's covenant, faithful, committed love. We talked about that last time. In the word hesed in the Old Testament, this kind of covenant love becomes the word agape in the New Testament. They're kind of... Um, uh, 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 Analogous, the way that the, the scripture uses hesed in the Old Testament and agape in the New Testament. And the great thing about this word agape, and uh, I could do a, a fairly major kind of nerdy um, theological um, uh, divergence here, and I'll, I'll, I'll just do a little tiny one. Agape is one of uh, several Greek words, I think four, three of which are used in the New Testament Greek words for love. And um, before the New Testament writers got a hold of it, it was really kind of like the least important of all the Greek words for love because it, it just kind of meant this kind of condescending love. It was the kind of love you'd have for a dog. Um, it was that kind of, you know, charitable love, but there was nothing kind of reciprocal in it. And it was almost as if, well, perhaps it was more than almost, perhaps it was exactly this, that God had a word sitting around that was in common use that he wanted to infuse a much deeper and more powerful meaning to because when Jesus comes, he comes and redefines agape by saying God is agape. God is love. And the nature of agape is, is, the, is this revelation that Jesus brings of the love of the Father. The love that the Father has for the Son. The love that the Son has for the Father. And the New Testament, the gospel, is an invitation to come and join in the covenant that the Father has between, that there is between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And for us to come into what is called both at the same time the new covenant because it's never been experienced by people before and the eternal covenant because it's it's the covenant that exists between father son and holy spirit in the godhead and its character is love whether that's agape in the new testament hesed in the old testament it's the love by which god binds himself to his people by his word Hope in the Lord. There is confidence in his loving kindness, his mercy, his hesed. 
that love is so essential, is so defining to even the very fabric of who God is, that if that love ever failed, then God himself would cease to exist. Now, obviously that can't happen, but you know what I mean? It's so, he's joined himself to this concept and to his love so intrinsically that he can describe his nature. Jesus can describe the nature of God by saying God is love. That if, if that love ever ceased, if that love ever failed, in fact, if it ever gave up even the tiniest bit of what it is, God himself would cease to exist and the universe he created would vanish into nothingness. So quick check, um, give yourself a poke, are you still here? If you're with someone, give them a poke, is this still just, or if you're, if you're alone, just kind of tap the, the world, creation is still here. <laughs> that means Jesus continues to uphold it by the word of his power, and that means God hasn't changed, and God hasn't changed and will never change, and his love will never fail. Hope in the Lord, have confidence in his covenant, committed, enduring, preferential, love and because of that we get to this wonderful phrase where he talks about god's plentiful redemption plentiful redemption there's more than enough redeeming power in god his love will never run up run out it will never fail and so the psalmist says hope in the lord i don't know about you but my heart is stirred as i think about that as i think about who god is what his love is for us what the work he's done for us in christ I begin to hope. I begin to realize that the things that would, would cause me to lose hope are insignificant compared to the thing that gives me hope for all eternity. The love of God in Jesus Christ. And I don't know about you, but I want to become more of an evangelist for hope. I want to say, oh, Israel, oh, people of God, oh, church of Jesus Christ, hope in the Lord. For in him there is plentiful redemption. In him there is more than enough for all that we need. Okay, and that just leaves us with Psalm 131, doesn't it? And I think Psalm 130, like I said, leads into Psalm 131 because Psalm 130, in a sense, tells you how to get to Psalm 131. How to get to this place where you're saying, I have stilled and quieted my soul. I've done that by looking to God, by receiving his mercy, by acknowledging how I stand, by meditating on his hope by letting my heart hope in him by letting my heart wait on him by letting the word of god work in me to a point that it comes back out again as a, a, a an, an exhortation to others to come and hope in the lord i have calmed and quieted my heart that's a humble heart that's a heart that realizes its place in this world that this place that, you know, there's not, not really anything I can bring. There's not really any power I have in myself to bring a solution to any of this. But I know I'm at the center of God's attention. It's like Ruth prayed for us this morning about God's eye is towards his, the righteous. He's looking. He's looking. You're at the center of his attention. And that means there's a guarantee that all that he said he will do, he will do. He will prove himself faithful in every way. And it talks about a wean child with its mother. And I'm not sure exactly what that phrase is meant to suggest, but this is this is how I kind of read that. You know, when, when kids are little, when babies uh, uh, are, are small, 
they they really only communicate for a very small number of reasons and the main one is i'm hungry and uh they communicate very effectively by crying screaming and basically not shutting up until they get some food um but then comes a time when the child is is weaned when the child is before the child is weaned it wants mum because he wants some milk but once he's weaned there are other reasons that he wants to sit on mum's lap um like a weaned child with his mother i'm not there just for what i need i'm not there for just what i want i'm just there to enjoy the loving comforting experience of sitting with my mum and that's what the psalmist says that's my heart i'm not here for out of need i'm not here out of want i'm here simply for the pleasure of enjoying the presence of god that's why i come and sit it's one of those times where scripture uses a, a very feminine image to describe the heart of god and he says you know coming into the presence of god is like coming and sitting on the lap of your mum not because you need anything but just to enjoy being there and that's what god wants that's where hope takes us it takes us to a place of calmness of rest of peace and it says it again doesn't it oh israel hope in the lord from this time forth and forevermore so i think there's a hint in there of the psalmist saying there's something to learn here there's something to learn in your experiences of crying out to god is that actually we can always live in this place from this time forth and forevermore let's not live lives where we're 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 constantly needing rescuing but discerning that that um, that it's always the grace of god that we need it's always by the mercy of god that we stand it's always in his forgiveness that we live it's always from a heart that feeds itself with the promises with the word of god and a humble heart that comes and says lord i just want to be with you because there's no better place to be oh israel hope in the lord become an evangelist for hope you can do that by the way by sharing your uh answer prayer challenge videos i really want to encourage you to do that in theory the the, the program runs for another two weeks great opportunity of sharing hope and of saying come and enjoy the hope of god that i have found and here's an example of it this is how god's answered a prayer but you know it's so much more than that it's about our continuing loving relationship with our wonderful father songs of hope sing some songs of hope this week amen Thanks for listening to this teaching from City Church Coventry. You can find more great teaching and other resources on our website at www.citychurchcoventry.org.